Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks, the podcast of Leif Hetland and Global Mission Awareness. Hello, everyone. This is Leif Hetland with Global Mission Awareness, and welcome to the Kingdom Family Talk. And today, I have the great honor of introducing you to Alvida Celeste King. And I don't know if many of you know who Alvida King is, but I know that everyone that is listening are familiar with Martin Luther King Jr. And this is his niece, and she just have a phenomenal story. And one of the highlights of my life was to bring some of us friends, a group of CEOs, and we spent a day with Alvida King and her family. And they took us kind of behind the scene, and we got to know a little bit more about the story that is behind the story. So, Alvida, welcome to Kingdom Family Talk. Leif, thank you. And to be with Kingdom Family Talk today, and to everyone that we're reaching and speaking to, uh, I'm praying, and I know Leif is, we're agreeing, his ministry, his family, and my ministry, and our family, that you're safe, and that you're not fearful, but you're faithful. And you're praying and not panicking. That's going to be very important. Leif, can I just share with you that uh, one thing I decided to do today, since we are at home right now, was to take all the old viney weeds and things down and to plant some okra plants and some morning glories on my deck. That's what I did today. That's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah, one of the things that excites me is just to hear some of the stories that uh, perhaps, if you wouldn't mind just sharing, how was it to be raised or to be in the home of Martin Luther King, your dad, of course, uh, that was so much part of this, but just as a little girl growing up in that family. Leif, you remember we visited the King family birth home yeah. in Atlanta, and it's down on Auburn Avenue. And so we went back into the early to mid-1900s, and we saw where the King family at that time, Daddy King Sr., Mama Alberta King, their three children, Christine, ML, or Martin, and AD, my dad, Alfred. And so they grew up down on Auburn Avenue. Years later, when my parents married, that's their first home. So I lived in that home as well. So we saw the family principles just right before your eyes, if you remember, how they prayed together. They had dinner together every day. And if dad was in town, they waited till he got home. And so I want to share one of the stories that I shared with all of you. And I remember all the chuckles. So at dinner time, they had to sit around the table. And as they were there, their dad says, everybody give your Bible verse. So everybody was giving a nice Bible verse and the daddy would be very happy. Then it got to his two sons. They would say, Jesus wept. (laughs) Two words, right? Now that is in the Bible. It really is a Bible verse. And so it is said that their dad would say, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no hot fried chicken right now. No apple pie. Why did he wept? Where was he when he wept? What were the six situations and circumstances? So obviously, his family began to really study the Bible and began to know the Lord in their family. And one time, one place they would do it every day was at the dinner table. I remember you were, you were sharing also that what was unique at the time was that the children actually got permission to ask questions. 
And I thought that was very fascinating. What would be some of the questions that you think that molded some of the thinking of, of Martin Luther King Jr., but as well as you yourself growing up in that environment? There was a beautiful globe in their father's study. Mm. And they would ask questions about Africa, about America, about uh, Europe and the uh, various countries. They, Daddy King had such foresight. He would take his family on cruises, on ships. They went to Europe. My dad and my Uncle Martin, of course, during the movement, went to Africa. Went to, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. went to uh, the Vietnam during that time. So they were world travelers, which was rather, rather unusual for many African-Americans. And so they had a worldview, but a, they had a kingdom worldview, kingdom of God worldview. Mm. Because as Christians, they weren't perfect by a long shot, but there aren't not any perfect Christians. But they actually loved the Lord and they actually read their Bibles. Because, you know, there has been a tradition, I don't know in how many cultures this is true, uh, but in some cultures you have a big, beautiful family Bible and you Mm. put it on your table. And when people come, they admire the Bible. But most people never turn it from whatever page it's open onto on on the coffee table. But our family read the Bible. We read it now in this generation. We read the Bible. Mm. Yeah. Tell me something. What about opposition? Because I know that you were standing up as a family when you suddenly started to face one of the big Goliath, one of the big giants that was, of course, in America, but also throughout the world. And being a giant slayer, like your uncle, and I know today that you are also facing some of the giants. But what are some of the opposition that you had in that time period? I, I have been reading that your family home in Birmingham was bombed. There's so many things that you went through. And how has that shaped you? Some of the opposition or the cost that is behind. The three biggest giants in my life have always been pride, fear, and hate. Mm. So I was a very prideful young person because I wanted to conquer the world and I thought I could do it in my own power. But as I began to lose those so precious to me, my uncle was killed, my dad was killed, my grandmother was killed. I had two siblings that I lost in that time. I realized I could not do it all. The hate came from me wanting to blame someone for the problems. And I wanted to blame what I call white people. Of course, human beings with one blood, my daddy, my uncle, granddaddy, one blood of one blood, God made all people. But I'm trying to break it out and say that one ethnic group was doing all of this. And my daddy and my uncle and my granddaddy, but my grandmother, the women and the men in my family, we have to love, we have to forgive, we have to understand that John 3.16 is for everyone. So when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, killed with an assassin's bullet, his brother, my dad, who was killed the next year, by the way, put his arms around me and said, you can't hate white people. White people march with us. White people go to jail with us. White people pray with us. White people die with us. No, the devil did this. So I learned that very ugly, er, very that ugly ugliness of hatred very early, that it was ugly. And then the deeper one still with faith, not fear, came from my pastor, Alan McNair. He was my pastor for about 30 years. He passed away in 2015. And his son, his son, Theo Jr. is the pastor now. But faith, which works by love, without faith, is impossible to please God. So I had to learn faith, hope, and love. 
and to uh, learn to love God, that I can't do things by myself. I need the Lord. And when did you actually turn your life over to Jesus? 1983. And a dear lady, we talk every once in a while now, we were colleagues, college professors. And when I first took my job, it was a college here in Atlanta in 1983. I was there a professor for 19 years. And so they said, don't talk to her. Look at that big book she's carrying around. She carried a Bible in a Bible cover with a big red sword on it. Hmm. She's a fanatic. So at that time, if you told me not to do something, it's very likely <laughs> that that's exactly what I was going to do. So I says, why do they say don't talk to you? And she began to talk. She opened that book up. It was the Bible. Wow. And, and she said, Alvita, who is Jesus? Well, I love uh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> we, we talk about him on Easter, all that kind of thing. She asked me again. Well, he was born of the Virgin Mary and he died and rose again. She asked one more time, Alvita, who is Jesus? I was mad. But she wasn't accepting my answers. And I said, well, I guess he's God. And then I looked at her and I said, wait a minute. No, I know he's God. It was like light bulbs went on. She went to Romans 10, 9. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And when she said that and had me read it aloud, and she says, do you believe? And then I realized he died for my sins. I'm a sinner. So I accept Christ, accepted Christ in my heart in a classroom lecture room mm. in Atlanta, Georgia in 1983. What difference did Jesus have on your life then? Was there a big transformation that took place? You know that song, uh, Jesus, Jesus, there's something about that name. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. Mm-hmm. I just I wanted to let everything go. And some people said, and in a way, I mean, because I I did lose my mind because I gained the mind of Christ. That's true. (laughs) But to the world, it looks like, oh, she's having a nervous breakdown, you know. And so (laughs) things that used to mean something to me, they just became either secondary or totally unimportant. And I wanted, I was just so thirsty and hungry for the word of God. And I just almost for a very, for a little while, I would go to every church service I could find every day. Literally. And of course, through the years that has changed. And I know that Christ is with me all the time in my heart. Holy Spirit is here. Heavenly Father loves me. So I don't have to go to a building. But listen, I have to admit this to you. During this COVID-19 situation, I've been going to church when I'm in town every Sunday for over 30 years to one church, Believers Bible Christian Church. So when we went to uh, Facebook church and doing the social distancing with 10 people at the the actual (laughs) physical building, I would drive my car up to the church and look in the window at the 10 people inside and turn on Facebook in my car. Oh, For real, my. honestly, I did that. <laughs> and then last Sunday, I did drive through there, I'll be honest. But then I went by my daughter's house because the praise and worship was so strong. Whoa. And so I stood in her front yard singing praise and worship in my daughter's yard. Wow. Yeah. I was just smiling because another thing I thought about, because I, I know that family means so much to you in so many different ways. And I still remember the day we got to have together with you. And you also had your children there. And we got to hear from, if you can say the three Three generation now of world changer or history makers. So absolutely. So so tell me a little bit just about your children because I know they are very actively involved also in, of representing heaven on earth in a very beautiful way. 
each one of them in ministry in each way. Three of my children are attorneys. Uh, one is in medical school. One uh, is a teacher, but she runs a, a, a health business now. Mm-hmm. And then my youngest works for one of the airlines. They're all adults. They're all married. There are 11 grandchildren right now. And, uh, but they're still very close. And people say, how old are your kids now? I said, well, my oldest is 50. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, wow. But I'm still mom, and now they call me Gigi. So they're all ministers. (laughs) They they love the Lord, and the little children do too. Wow. Uh, If if you were to say something about what would you like your legacy to be like? By the time Alvida, when the time when you're getting your upgrade and one day go to Jesus, what would you like your legacy, because I've been looking at my own life and legacy, what I'm living for and what I'm eventually going to die for. That's something that I wake up every morning with passion. You know, it's interesting that you would ask me for that. I've been trying to upgrade two of my websites, Pro-Life Music Genre and AlvedaKing.com. And I'm doing a piece about legacy because people really don't understand legacy. It's something that is inherited, but it's not just material or money. It's a way of living that is sustainable through the generations. So that's what you asked the question. Why am I living? What am I living for? A sustainable uh, way of living that passes from generation to generation. A lot of people don't even know what legacy is. They just don't think about it. So I talk about the King family legacy. I can really give you exactly what the King family is, legacy Mm -hmm. is, and it is faith, hope, and love. First for God, for ourselves, and humanity. Having faith in God, hoping that God is true and he is and knowing and the faith that he is and then loving God, ourselves and each other. So good. Mm -hmm. And now you're taking that and giving that to your children. And because what is the ceiling of one generation becomes the floor to the next generation. Amen. And we are doing that. And, you know, I write about that in all of my books. I think you have How Can the Dream Survive? Yes. My good friend String, King, Steve Strang did King Truths for us. Uh, yeah. But I write about it. They're children's books. They're the books themselves. It talks about prior to my being born again in 83, abortions that I had in a miscarriage and how God forgave me, wow. which is very uh, important. So the legacy of the dependability of God, believing that, loving each other, mm. that is our legacy. Yeah, and I know that you have learned how to practice the language of love, which is the language the blind eyes can see and the deaf ears can hear. If you were to give a couple of keys for people to learn the language of love and learn how to practice the language of love and how that, especially in this season, there's so much fear and perfect love cast out fear. But how, how can we practice the language of love on a daily basis and what would be some of the things? Because I know you speak that language very well. God is love. Jesus, the Son of God, the full manifestation of that love and Holy Spirit, our comforter and teacher. And I, there was a movement when I was much younger. My next birthday, I'll be 70 at least. Wow, that's amazing. And, uh, <laughs> I, and, and it's wonderful. I'm so excited about it, too, by the way. <laughs> but uh, I was asking this question to someone recently Hmm. and it came out of a movement when I was a young younger lady what would Jesus do yeah and so anytime I'm really totally in doubt I'll stop and think well what would Jesus do 
And my pastor, Theo McNair Jr., says it this way. Whatever you say, if at the end of that sentence you can't say, and that's exactly the way I want it, then don't say it. Mm, that's good. So love speaks that way. Love speaks, it comes outward. The love of God comes to us, mm. but it flows out of us. And so we have to practice. Mm. It's what I'm about to say to you, exactly what I want. Do I want it that way in my life? If it's unkind towards you, do I want that unkindness in my life? And so, so that's, that's really love language. Mm. First, what would Jesus do? And then do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Wow. And then you kind of go on from there. Yeah. And one more question. And I know the time is short here and I'm so excited about this, but I know that with this whole coronavirus that there's some people in the middle of the storm and some on the way out of the storm. But I'm just because I know that you have faced so many different giants during your lifetime. And you mentioned three of the giants on the inside, pride, fear and hate. And then now you're dealing with some giants that are on the outside giants in our community, giants in our nations. But for some of the people that are struggling with fear, anxiety, giants on the inside, or perhaps it is losing the job or health condition, they're just overwhelmed by circumstances. So if you were to give some of the people, because I know as a giant slayer that, that you can give some words of encouragement to people for them to, in the middle of everything that is going on, to be overwhelmed by Jesus so that nothing else can overwhelm them. So what would be some words of encouragement? Thank you for that question. I was thinking about my uncle this week. I released a piece at, on, on um, Palm Sunday, actually, about the parable of a little tree. Mm. And people think that trees especially palm trees, seem to be so strong because they withstand storms. It is not because they have deep, strong roots. They have shallow roots, hmm. but their roots go out like 50 feet on each side to the next palm tree, and they lock in with the palm trees. Wow. So when the storm comes, the <laughs> storm can't take the whole grove away. Wow. And so I was talking about that, and then I was thinking about my uncle because we were having these big discussions. Well, is science right? Is religion right? Mm -hmm. And fanatics, you're distracting people with all of that language. Martin Luther King, I'm paraphrasing, Junior said it this way. He said, science gives us facts. Religion gives us morals. Mm -hmm. The two are not rivals. Wow. So what I would advise people in COVID-19, honestly, because I'm doing that myself, yeah. pay attention to first, you know, sure, your physical body, your immune system and all of that. Even if you ended up, as some have, with those symptoms, then follow closely what the doctors and scientists are recommending. But do not forsake the washing of the water of the word. Mm -hmm. So when you wash your hands, let your heart be washed Come on. with the love and the word of God. So we're going to do religion first, <laughs> or God first, not beyond religion, really God, yeah. really. And then do what science says as well. And if you do that, you'll find that the fear goes away. And don't forget, now, I, I know people don't get this, but good stewardship right now is really important. Given it shall be given unto you. And I don't mean just money. Yeah. If you attend the church, make sure you do your tithes. Don't ever mm -hmm. stop doing that. But give generously of your heart, your time. Don't forsake your offerings and supporting your church. Because right now, churches are on Facebook and Twitter and parking lot services and all types of things, which is good. Mm. 
but love each other. And I bet this is a scripture because this is a kingdom program. Mm -hmm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness Mm -hmm. and all the things that you need are going to be added to you. Oh, it's so beautiful. Do you mind just praying over the listeners? And I do want to recommend you to get some of Alvida King's book. And as I say, I'm reading How Can the Dream Survive? And I know she has several other books. And I encourage you to even go on her website and, and just connect Alvida because she is continuing. She She's taking this dream and this dream is becoming a reality where lives are being changed by Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace and the Prince of Wholeness into so many different areas of life. So, Alvida, could you bless our kingdom family? There are so many beautiful people out there, uh, but I do believe a blessing from you can unlock some of the dreams and the destiny that is placed inside people's hearts. Father, we want to bless the kingdom family, the listeners, (laughs) and those that they will share this with. Speaking into the atmosphere, When Christ dethroned Satan, he took away all of the powers of the air and gave them to us with the keys of the kingdom. So that's just a title for the enemy. But with us, Lord, we are rejoicing in the airways with you right now Mm. by technology. We thank you for that. Bless all of us in our spirits, our souls, and our bodies where we might be fearful. Help us to replace that with the measure of fear that you, faith, with the measure of faith. Yeah, that you give to each of us, replacing that fear. Father, let us be kind Mm. to one another. Keep us safe according to Psalm 91. Mm. Lead us according to Psalm 23. Continue to bless us, the Psalms 103. Mm. And uh, Lord, we just love you. Mm. And we say, Amen, Amen, Amen. In Jesus' name. (laughs) That's beautiful. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. This is amazing.